Welcome back to our nine divas of wellness. Uh, across these nine days of wellness, very pleased to welcome into the show sports physio and rehab specialist Kruti Kimani. Hi, good to see you. How are you? Resplendent in red. <laughs> I know. I'm following the colors of uh, Navratri actually. <laughs> well so done. I'm good. I'm good, and likewise, so good to see you, Rishi. It's been it's been a long time. What do you have to say for people who have suffered with pain, whatever kind of physiological pain, for the longest time, and have not found any recourse, and have just resigned to living their lives popping painkillers? Is there light at the end of the tunnel in all your years of experience as a sports physio and rehab specialist? I love that question. So honestly, pain. Firstly, what I'd like to say is it is the last sign that your body is giving you that something is wrong somewhere. Okay, it's not the first. Sign unless it's a frank cut or you've had a you know literal a fall on the field of football and you've injured something that's different. That's injury based pain. Anybody who's not had an injury and has still experienced some pain, it's a sign your body is giving you something is wrong somewhere. So we need to first find that original source, and it it can be multifaceted. Those days are gone. We're very complex as humans, so it's not like there is a muscle that's tight or there is a joint that's weak or there is a ligament that's torn and that. Giving you pain. There is always multiple things feeding into the area of pain, and that's our job to find out as 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 physios and as people that manage pain. Secondly, you know, with with a lot of these interventions and the new things coming in, painkillers, of course, have their role to play. I never say to people that don't ever pop in a pill or or take painkillers, but we need to figure what are we using it for. So, for example, if I have to make you exercise and you're in pain already, and you look at me when I tell you to exercise, you no, know, you have to do exercise even though you're in pain it's human nature we probably look at each other and go like but that doesn't make sense i came to you for pain relief so what i believe is that painkillers have a role to give you a window of opportunity so you can do your exercising and strengthen so that the pain eventually goes away for good so it's okay to take painkillers but first find out from your practitioner why that pain is coming and that's a that's our job like i said we need to figure out what sources we need to figure out why it's coming and it's no point putting a bandage on it and masking it so that it doesn't come again which is what painkillers sometimes do so we need to make sure that we're not masking it we're not covering it up with a curtain and saying i don't want to look at it and ignoring it but we need to really you know sometimes it also means opening a can of worms getting everything out and rusting that wheel and then polishing it back again to get you a brand new wheel so that you're up and about and doing what you need to do when does one go to an orthopedist or a spine specialist or a knee specialist and when does one know that one needs to go straight to a physiotherapist or a rehab specialist or do they work hand in glove with each other i see a lot of people increasingly going straight to the physio as opposed to the medical practitioner and the other way around too yeah so that's a, again i love that question because i keep educating this to people everybody that walks in through the door Firstly it has to be a hand in glove relationship no one practitioner can work alone and also on us uh, or or we and a, a cardiac surgeon or us and an endocrinologist we all work as a team the end of the day the idea is the patient has to feel better in whatever aspects they come into you for so but to answer your question with more clarity if you've had pain that is new to your body that you've never had before of course it needs to be diagnosed properly now if that pain is not injury based like i said as soon as you fall 
and you've had an ankle sprain, you know it's an ankle sprain, but you don't know whether it's fractured or not. So maybe it's okay to go to an ortho, get it scanned, get it ruled out. It's not a fracture and you're not a surgical candidate. And then go to the physio for your rehab. But if it's not an injury-based pain, if you don't think it's a fracture, you didn't have a fall, you didn't have a car accident, then by all means, you can go into a physio clinic, get yourself assessed. And the assessment has to be very thorough, like I said before, to find the root cause of the pain. So really, I think to make it very simple, if it's injury and you know that you've broken something or torn something, please don't waste time, go straight to an emergency department or a casualty, they will direct you to an ortho if possible. But if there is no injury, there's no accident, there's no fall, you don't think it's a fracture, by all means, please, for all aches and pains, you can go to a physio center or a clinic and they should be able to assess and treat you well. Now, there's a third aspect of this is if I have assessed you day one and I have noticed that, listen, there might be something more going on here, which clinically I'm not able to find, I will myself send you off to a specialist like an orthopedic or to a radiologist to first investigate that further. So really, everybody has a role to play and it's always and always a team effort. Now, with the increase in in pain specialists and even pain management departments in multi-speciality hospitals, a lot of people are opting for the injection route you know the the pain therapy through whatever nerve stimulant route but you are still of the opinion that despite that intervention coming in you must still go back to the basics which is exercise and strengthening a little bit on that so injections like i said before about medications that's the role of the injections there are there are injections designed to regenerate certain soft tissues like your PRPs. There are injections designed to reduce your pain and inflammation. There are injections designed to settle down a nerve that's like a live wire constantly sending out signals. So depending on what the role of that injection is, they absolutely have a role to play. But remember that injection is not strengthening you. And at the end of the day, what you need to actually perform your functioning, your day-to-day activities or your sport or your you know, uh, uh, work that involves physical work, then for that function, you need muscle strength. That injection did not give you strength. That injection gave you relief of your symptoms so that you can go back and strengthen. So unfortunately for us, exercise and rehabilitating those muscles and regaining strength is the only option to get you back to functioning. Because at the end of the day, why do we go to a doctor or somebody who reduces your pain? Because you can't function. If you can't function, how are you going to go back to functioning without getting strength again? And remember, I've told this in my previous talks as well to you, pain tends to switch muscles off. We forget that. Pain tends to not let your muscle work to its optimum capacity. So if we can actually re-engage and reactivate those muscles with exercises, that seals the deal pretty much. You know, with the pandemic, there is an increase in people with home injuries. And by home injuries, I don't mean just falling in the shower and yeah. slipping at home. I mean by inactivity. You know, a lot of us who in any case were spending many, many hours sitting on the way to work and way back and in the office facility are now, you know, not even getting out of our cars and walking that a little bit to work. So are you seeing a lot of that cases like that going up because Absolutely. of the activity injuries happening? Absolutely. So it's funny because, you know, our bodies are not very good at adapting to change. Okay. We did not prepare ourselves physically and mentally for this pandemic. 
thing. We were preparing ourselves for the high level of activities that we were used to. And now suddenly all that has changed. So even though people have started working out at home, people did a lot of housework till the maids were allowed to come back. Again, we were not preparing ourselves to be able to stand at a sink at a particular angle and wash vessels. We didn't design for that. We didn't, we didn't practice exercises for that. We practiced for push-ups and pull-ups. So really, we were not used to it. Change happened, massively happened. So there was a whole input of things that we were not ready for. So there were people that were not ready for their house dining table chairs to sit on a dining table with a laptop and work for eight hours. That's caused a problem. There were women that were not used to. I wasn't used to washing utensils. Of course, I faced that problem. Like I, I felt it for three, four days, and I'm like, wow, this must be the biggest trigger for a lot of back issue people. That's why I started working as early as mid-April. I had to open my clinic because there were just too many people. I could not fix them in a video consult, and I had to treat them. So I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to be protective. I'm going to be safe, but I have to treat you. So we had a lot of that. We had a lot of people that were doing mopping and sweeping. Again, they got all the standing mops and stuff. But remember, mopping involves a lot of twisting and rotation. So that irritated people's backs and shoulders. So that was one aspect of it. And like you said, the other aspect was the sitting down. So we had to do a lot of ergonomic setups for a lot of people. I took pictures of you know positions that you can sit in on a dining table, on a sofa, on your bed, wherever you have space. But how can you best change, you know, adjust yourself? so that you don't land up in trouble at the end of the day. Still, there is going to be issues. So like I've always said even before, frequent change in position is key. So if you are sitting on the dining table for an hour, if you can, if you're on a laptop, if it's easy for you to move, pick it up, go to your bed and sit for an hour. Again, pick it up, go to the couch and sit for an hour. If you can walk and talk on the phone, do that. So frequent change in position is what's important. I know probably for you that might be difficult with a lot of gear, but if people have just a laptop to use, then I think that's portable and that is easier to do. And that movement is what people are missing because when you're in the office, when you're in a corporate office, you have a lot more walking that you do. Maybe to the water cooler, maybe to your uh, colleague's office, maybe to somebody else's desk, to the printer, down to the dining area, you know, anything. But you're walking a lot more. So, you know, th those steps are not coming in. The back is not getting movement. The shoulders are not getting movement. So movement is key. And movement is always key in everything. So if you're frequently changing posture, you can probably save yourself from trouble. Now, there's a lot being said about dynamic stretching and static stretching. What is the difference between the two and what do you advocate? Or is it horses for courses? No, it's, it's both. Both of them have an important role to play. So within sports, of course, we never start with static stretches. because that what is, oh, Static is, stretches is just you being static and stretching and dynamic is you no. moving. Is that it? No? Yeah, yeah. So, so if you are doing it individually without somebody's help, static is when you're stretching the arm or the leg to a point where you feel the stretch, maximum stretch, and you hold it there. And you hold it there till the muscle slowly lets go. And then dynamic is where you're giving it a stretch and taking it off, giving it a stretch and taking it off. So it's more like a swing off a leg versus a you know stretch of a leg and holding it there so both have a role to play so within sport and even within fitness we say you start with dynamic stretches so that it's increasing mobility and opening things up and you end with static stretches so that it reduces the muscle soreness and fatigue that you might have developed from the exercise again there is research that 
it's contradicting this a lot but i always say you know best to make sure you're stretching in the start and at the end now whether you choose to start with dynamic or not it, it depends on your body type if there are people that have done yoga and exercises for years and they swear by doing static stretches before they go for a walk and that's fine honestly because i'm i'm starting to move away from the traditional research and moving more towards customization so moving more towards what suits that particular body and i would rather stick to that so you are one of the earliest people to start off your rehab center your physio center and that's because it's your firm belief and you just touched upon it very briefly saying that unlike maybe yoga or pilates or aerobics which can be done over video conferencing most physiotherapy cannot be done effectively from home uh, you need to see your practitioner and you're actually encouraging practitioners to see patients and vice versa except that you know you've got to take extra precautions so talk about that talk about your hands-on approach as opposed to the video approach so you you're very right because you know like i said i was feeling frustrated in the initial part of the lockdown where i was seeing people online but even though i could diagnose it fairly well say up to 80 90% my diagnosis might be on the spot but there are still things i need to palpate i need to push on i need to prod i need to move i need to stretch so i know exactly where the pain is coming from because remember our skills are in our hands as a physio your skills are in your hands what you touch feel and treat is all here okay we don't have x-ray eyes we don't have the x-ray machines we don't have ultrasonographies for me to actually see what's going on inside your body unless my clinical skills my diagnostic skills are so good that i can touch feel and move and then come to a conclusion so that was difficult on videos but like i said i could fairly i'm not overconfident ever but i could fairly diagnose most people well okay you've got your diagnosis but how do i reduce your pain now so normally i would obviously do a lot of hands on work on you like reduce tight muscles stretch out tight areas you know give you passive stretches so you could feel what you need to feel when you stretch at home and make you exercise physically so i can change the position of your body to make sure that the right muscle is activating now all of that again i could do up to up to 70 to 80% effectivity was there in exercising but not in reducing my pain i just could not i tried i told them i taught the husband to treat the wife i taught the wife to treat the husband <laughs> and there were fights it was so funny but anyways i would teach them the deep tissue that i do so the partner could do it or i would ask them to use a tennis ball or a golf ball so they could release and get into those areas which is difficult to get to so for me it was very important that i could see them personally because i felt like i've always said you know the less amount of number of sessions the less intervention the more the effect is what i believe so if i could see you once and fix your pain why am i doing it over three video sessions that's my whole day right and if i could fix your pain sooner rather than wait for you to then try these 10 things that i told you on video out and then call me three weeks and say listen it's still the same so that is what my frustration was so i think now that we've started to get a bit more confident we started to learn how to live with this i'm making sure we're all masked up and gloved up we come here and we change we leave we change before we leave and we make patients also sanitize themselves shoes are out the patient can't remove their mask i think it's not impossible to work as a physio because we don't deal with bodily fluids and of course we're doing our filtering so we're making them fill out forms and you know obviously the, uh, the receptionist asks them over the phone the questions that are required before they come in so that we know that they're not exposed so it's not impossible it's definitely i'd encourage all physios to start getting people into clinics and start working and getting people to get rid of pain sooner rather than later because pain 
reduces immunity. We cannot have low immunity in COVID times for sure. And at the same time, there are senior citizens who are not able to make that trudge to the rehab center. You do have a separate team of physios for that to treat the elderly at home, right? Correct. So that we decided very lately because we were seeing a lot of senior citizens calling us to say, should we come in? Now, it's always a catch-22 because you know you want to see them, but it's very difficult because I know the exposure levels, unless they're going from home to car, car to clinic, clinic to car and back home. But again, that's still there is mild amount of exposures everywhere. And now there's lots of talks about, you know, COVID being airborne. And so let's let's keep our elderly safe. So we decided we'll have a separate team of physios to only go to people's houses and that could be senior citizens. So they're not coming to clinic and seeing other patients. So their exposure levels is low. So they're literally going from home to one patient's house back home. Change, shower, another patient's house back home. So, you know, they're making sure that they're not exposing the patient or themselves so they can see more of these elderly in the house. I know a particular passion area for you is working uh, with elite sports personalities. You've also worked uh, with a couple of teams. Though our national passion is cricket, I remember you telling me that you much prefer working with uh, football players because it's more of a challenge for you, not for anything else. It is, I mean, nothing, no disrespect to cricket. Uh, But, you know, working with sports personalities, that's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? And you want to talk me through that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, depends on elite to semi-elite to the amateur to the experienced. They're all very different. But I think what I like to, again, work on them is very goal-based work. So if their goals are to get better at a particular angulation in their sport, I will design the program accordingly. Plus, they are poor things. I feel bad for them because they're constantly under the pressure from a coach, from the managers, from the other team members, from the media, from their own family, from a psychological point of view, from a performance point of view. So imagine they are having to shut down all of that and then focus focus on what I'm trying to do with them and get results that they're supposed to get. So uh, being an elite sports person in today's times is a lot more tough than what it was, say, you know, in in the uh, 90s because those guys were very focused on one thing. They have to somehow perform well. You know, they didn't care what uniforms they had. They were fine with not having a sports psychologist. Whereas now the poor guys are surrounded by a horde of professionals. Of course, well-intended. But still, you know, the pressure on them right now is a lot more than what things used to be with a lot more complications also. They're a lot more complex. Like, you know, I'm finding the younger ones a lot more complex. They're not an open book like the older ones were. You know, I'm having to dig in a lot more from them to actually give them a better program. So with sports, uh, it's very goal-based, number one. And number two, you know, if I can actually help them first shut down what everybody else said and then focus on telling me their exact issues, I can actually help them fix it better. And I found that works with not just the amateur, but the elite and the senior ones as well. Listen, could you throw out a number or some contact details where we can reach you or the center uh, in case there's anybody who wants some physiotherapy or rehab or even an elite or semi-elite athlete who's listening to this, please? Sure. So the clinic numbers are very simple. It's 8291 that's the clinic numbers. And you can also DM us on Instagram, which is the handle is at Continuum Physio, all small, no gaps. So Continuum is C-O-N-T-I-N-U-U-M-P-H-Y-S-I-O, Continuum Physio. That's the Instagram handle. And they can DM us on that. Lovely. So your, your parting words of advice for people who are still home, 
working from home and also considering the festive season is coming up there's navratri and diwali you know there're going to be excesses what is your wellness tip or tips wow i think the wellness tip is i know navratri is not happening and remember i'm half kujju married to a sindhi please still do something in your houses please move that would really not just help physically but elate your mood as well it would definitely help and if you're still worried and fearful of the virus of course don't meet people but meet people in your own bubble meet your first family it's okay to go meet your parents don't hug them but just let them see you you know eat the way that if you have a dietitian or nutritionist will ask you to but don't overindulge but definitely don't miss out on those homely treats that your mom makes or or you make or somebody else that makes that you love So I think living life to the fullest in whatever capacity we can right now we have to celebrate these two festivals we can't not celebrate that's god's gift to us Well said Kriti thank you so much for being one of my nine divas of wellness and helping us through these nine days of wellness all thank the best you so much. cheers thank you bye